Section 27 of the Children's Wonder Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carrie Chirac. The Children's Wonder Book. The Silver Hen by Mary E. Wilkins. Dame Dorothea Penny kept a private school. It was quite a small school, on account of the small size of her house. She had only twelve scholars, and they filled it quite full. Indeed, one very little boy had to sit in the brick oven. On this account, Dame Penny was obliged to do all her cooking on a Saturday when school did not keep. On that day she baked bread and cakes and pies enough to last a week. The oven was a very large one. It was on a Saturday that Dame Penny first missed her silver hen. She owned a wonderful silver hen, whose feathers looked exactly as if they'd been dipped in liquid silver. When she was scratching for worms out in the yard, and the sun shone on her, she was absolutely dazzling, and sent little bright reflections into the neighbor's windows, as if she were really solid silver. Dame Penny had a sunny little coop with a padlock door for her, and she always locked it very carefully every night. So it was doubly perplexing when the hen disappeared. Dame Penny remembered distinctly locking the coop door. Several circumstances had served to fix it in her mind. She had started out without her overshoes, then had returned for them because the snow was quite deep, and she was liable to rheumatism. Then Dame Louisa, who lived next door, had rapped on her window, and she had run in there for a few moments, with the hen-coop key dangling on its blue ribbon from her wrist, and Dame Louisa had remarked that she would lose that key if she were not more careful. Then when she returned home across the yard, a doubt had seized her, and she had tried the coop door to be sure she had really fastened it. The next morning, when she fitted the key into the padlock and threw open the door, and no silver hen came clucking out, it was very mysterious. Dame Louisa came running to the fence which divided her yard from Dame Penny's, and stood, leaning on it with her apron over her head. "'Are you sure that hen was in the coop when you locked the door?' said she. "'Of course she was in the coop,' replied Dame Penny with dignity. "'She has never failed to go in there at sundown for all the twenty-five years that I have had her.' Dame Penny carefully searched everywhere about the premises. When the scholars assembled, she called the school to order and told them of her terrible loss. All the scholars crooked their arms over their faces and wept, for they were very fond of Dame Penny and also of the silver hen. Every one of them wore one of her silver tail feathers in the best bonnet or hat as the case might be. The silver hen had dropped them about the yard and Dame Penny had presented them from time to time as rewards for good behavior. After Dame Penny had told the school, she tried to proceed with the usual exercises, but in vain. She whipped one little boy because he said that four and three made seven, and she stood a little girl in the corner because she spelled hen with one n. Finally, she dismissed the scholars and gave them permission to search for the silver hen. She offered the successful one the most beautiful Christmas present he had ever seen. It was about three weeks before Christmas. The children all put on their things and went home and told their parents what they were going to do. Then they started upon the search for the silver hen. They searched with no success till the day before Christmas. Then they thought they would ask Dame Louisa, who had the reputation of being quite a wise woman, if she knew any more likely places in which they could hunt. The twelve scholars walked two by two up to Dame Louisa's front door and knocked. They were very quiet and spoke only in whispers because they knew Dame Louisa was nervous and did not like children very well. Indeed, it was a great cross to her that she lived so near the school, 
for the scholars when out in their own yard never thought about her nervousness and made a deal of noise then too she could hear every time they spelled or said the multiplication table or bounded the countries of africa and it was very trying today in spite of their efforts to be quiet they awoke her from a nap and she came to the door with her front piece and cap on one side and her spectacles over her eyebrows very much out of humor i don't know where you'll find the hen said she peevishly unless you go to the white woods for it thank you ma'am said the children with courtesies and they all turned and went down the path between the dead christmas trees dame louisa had no idea that they would go to the white woods she had said it quite at random although she was so vexed in being disturbed in her nap that she wished for a moment that they would she stood in her front door and looked at her dead christmas trees and that always made her feel crosser and she had not at any time a pleasant disposition indeed it was rumored among the townspeople that that had blasted her christmas trees that dame louisa's scolding fretting voice had floated out to them and smote their delicate twigs like a bitter frost and made them turn yellow for the real christmas tree is not very hardy no one else in the village probably no one else in the county owned any such tree alive or dead dame louisa's husband who had been a sea captain had brought them from foreign parts they were mere little twigs when they planted them on the first day of january but they were full grown and loaded with fruit by the next christmas day every christmas they were cut down and sold but they always grew again to their full height in a year's time they were not it is true the regulation christmas tree that is they were not loaded with different and suitable gifts for everyone in a family as they stood there in dame louise's yard people always tied on those after they had bought them and had set them up in their own parlors but these trees bore regular fruit like apple or peach or plum trees only there was a considerable variety in it these trees when in full fruitage were festooned with strings of popcorn and weighed down with apples and oranges and figs and bags of candy and it was really an amazing sight to see them out there in dame louise's front yard but now they were all yellow and dead and not so much as one popcorn whitened the upper branches neither was there one candle shining out in the night for the trees in their prime had borne also little twinkling lights like wax candles dame louisa looked out at her dead christmas trees and scowled she could see the children out in the road and they were trudging along in the direction of the white woods let em go she snapped to herself i guess they won't go far i'll be rid of their noise anyway she could hear poor dame penny's distressed voice out in her yard calling biddy 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 and she scowled more fiercely than ever i'm glad she's lost her old silver hen she muttered to herself she had always suspected the silver hen of pecking at the roots of the christmas trees and so causing them to blast then too the silver hen had used to stand on the fence and crow for unlike other hens she could crow very beautifully and that had disturbed her a great deal dame louisa had a very wise book which she had consulted to find the reason for the death of her christmas trees but all she could find in it was one short item which did not satisfy her at all the book was on the plan of an encyclopedia and she having turned to the ch's found christmas trees very delicate when transplanted especially sensitive and liable to blast at any change in the moral atmosphere remedy discover and confess the cause after reading this dame louisa was always positive that dame penny's silver hen was at the root of the mischief for she knew that she herself had never done anything to hurt the trees dame penny was so occupied in calling biddy 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 and shaking a little pan of corn that she never noticed the children taking the road toward the white woods 
If she had done so, she would have stopped them, for the White Woods was considered a very dangerous place. It was called White because it was always white, even in midsummer. The trees and bushes and all the undergrowth, every flower and blade of grass were white with snow and frost all the year round, and all of the learned men of the country had studied into the reason of it, and had come to the conclusion that the woods lay in a direct draught from the North Pole, and that produced the phenomenon. Nobody had penetrated very far into the White Woods, although many expeditions had been organized for that purpose. The cold was so terrible that it drove them back. The children had heard all about the terrors of the White Woods. When they drew near it, they took hold of one another's hands and snuggled as closely together as possible. When they struck into the path at the entrance, the intense cold turned their cheeks and noses blue in the moment, but they kept on calling, Biddy! 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 in their shrill, sweet trebles. Every twig on the trees was glittering white with hoar-frost, and all the dead blackberry vines were white wreaths. The bushes brushed the ground. They were so heavy with ice, and the air was full of fine white sparkles. The children's eyes were dazzled, but they kept on, stumbling through the icy vines and bushes, and calling, Biddy! 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 It was quite late in the afternoon when they started, and pretty soon the sun went down and the moon arose, and that made it seem colder. It was like traveling through a forest of solid silver then, and every once in a while a little frozen clump of flowers would shine so that they would think it was the silver hen and dart forward to find it was not. About two hours after the moon arose, as they were creeping along, calling, Biddy! 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 More and more faintly, a singular hoarse voice replied suddenly, We don't keep any hens, said the voice, and all the children jumped and screamed and looked about for the owner of it. He loomed up among some bushes at their right, he was so dazzling white himself, and had such an indistinctiveness of outline, that they had taken him for an oak tree. But it was the real snowman. They knew him in a moment. He looked so much like his effigies that they used to make in their yards. "'We don't keep any hens,' repeated the snowman. "'What are you calling hens for in this forest?' The children huddled together as close as they could, and the oldest boy explained. When he broke down, the oldest girl piped up and helped him. Well, said the snowman, I haven't seen the silver hen. I never did see any hens in these woods, but she may be around here for all that. You had better go home with me and spend the night. My wife will be delighted to see you. We have never had any company in our lives, and she is always scolding about it. The children looked at each other and shook harder than they had done with cold. I'm afraid our mothers wouldn't like to have us stammered the oldest boy. "'Nonsense!' cried the snowman. "'Here I have been visiting you time and time again, and stood whole days out in your front yards, and you've never been to see me. I think it is about time that I had some return. Come along!' With that, the snowman seized the right ear of the oldest boy between a finger and thumb, and danced him along, and all the rest trembling and whimpering under their breaths followed. It was not long before they reached the snowman's house, which was really quite magnificent, a castle built of blocks of ice fitted together like bricks, and with two splendid snow lions keeping guard at the entrance. The snowman's wife stood in the door, and the snow children stood behind her and peeped around her skirts. They were smiling from ear to ear. They had never seen any company before, and they were so delighted that they did not know what to do. "'We have some company, wife!' shouted the snowman. 
"'Bring them right in,' said his wife, with a beaming face. She was very handsome, with beautiful pink cheeks and blue eyes, and she wore a trailing white robe like a queen. She kissed the children all around, and shivers crept down their backs, for it was like being kissed by an icicle. "'Kiss your company, my dears,' she said to the snow children, and they came bashfully forward and kissed Dame Penny's scholars with these same chilly kisses. "'Now,' said the snowman's wife, "'come right in and sit down where it is cool. You look very hot.' Hot, when the poor scholars were quite stiff with cold. They looked at one another in dismay, but did not dare say anything. They followed the snowman's wife into her grand parlour. "'Come right over here by the north window where it is cooler,' she said, "'and the children shall bring you some fans.' The snow children floated up with fans. All the snowman's family had a lovely floating gait, and the scholars took them with feeble courtesies and began fanning. A stiff north wind blew in at the windows. The forest was all creaking and snapping with the cold. The poor children fanning themselves on an ice divan would certainly have frozen if the snowman's wife had not suggested that they all have a little game of puss in the corner to while away the time before dinner. That warmed them up a little for they had to run very fast indeed to play with the snow children, who seemed to fairly blow in the north wind from corner to corner. But the snowman's wife stopped the play a little before dinner was announced. She said the guests looked so warm that she was alarmed and was afraid they might melt. A whistle that sounded just like the whistle of the north wind in the chimney blew for dinner, and Dame Penny's scholars thought with delight that now they would have something warm. But every dish on the snowman's table was cold and frozen, and the snowman's wife kept urging them to eat this and that, because it was so nice and cooling, and they looked so warm. After dinner they were colder than ever even. Another game of puss in the corner did not warm them much. They were glad when the snowman's wife suggested they go to bed, for they had visions of warm blankets and comfortables. But when they were shown into the great north chamber, that was more like a hall than a chamber, with its walls of solid ice, its ice floor, and its ice beds, their hearts sank. Not a blanket nor comfortable was to be seen. There were great silk bags stuffed with snowflakes instead of feathers on the beds, and that was all. "'If you are too warm in the night, and feel as if you are going to melt,' said the snowman's wife, "'you can open the south window, and that will make a draught. There are none, but the north windows open now.' The scholars curtsied and bade her good night, and she kissed them and hoped they would sleep well. Then she trailed her splendid robe, which was decorated with real frost embroidery, down the ice stairs, and left her guests to themselves. They were frantic with cold and terror, and the little ones began to cry. They talked over the situation, and agreed that they had better wait until the house was quiet, and then run away. So they waited until they thought everybody must be asleep, and then cautiously stole toward the door. It was locked fast on the outside. The snowman's wife had slipped an icicle through the latch. Then they were in despair. It seemed as if they must freeze to death before morning but it occurred to some of the older ones that they had heard their parents say that snow was really warm, and people had been kept warm and alive by burrowing under snowdrifts. And as there were enough snowflake beds to use as coverlids also, they crept under them, having first shut the north windows, and were soon quite comfortable. In the meantime, there was a great panic in the village. The children's parents were nearly wild. They came running to Dame Penny, but she was calling, Biddy! 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 out in the moonlight, and knew nothing about them. Then they called outside Dame Louise's window, but she pretended to be asleep and not hear them, although she was really awake and in a terrible panic. 
she did not tell the parents how the children had gone to the white woods because she knew that they could not extricate themselves from the difficulty as well as she could herself she knew all about the snowman and his wife and how very anxious they were to have company so just as soon as the parents were gone and she heard their voices in the distance she dressed herself harnessed her old white horse into the great box sleigh got out all the tubs and pails that she had in the house and went over to dame penny who was still standing out in her front yard calling the silver hen and the children by turns come dame penny said dame louisa i want you to go with me to the white woods and rescue the children bring out all the tubs and pails you have in the house and we will pump them full of water the pails full of water what for gasped dame penny to thaw them out replied dame louisa they will very likely be wholly or partly frozen and i have always heard that cold water was the only remedy to use dame penny said no more she brought out all her tubs and pails and they pumped them and dame louisa's full of water and packed them into the sleigh there were twelve of them then they climbed into the seat slapped the reins over the back of the old white horse and started off for the white woods on the way dame louisa wept and confessed what she had done to dame penny i have been a cross selfish old woman said she and i think that is the reason why my christmas trees were blasted i don't believe your silver hen touched them she and dame penny called biddy 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 and the names of the children all the way dame louisa drove straight to the snowman's house they are more likely to be there than anywhere else the snowman and his wife are so crazy to have company said she when they arrived at the house dame louisa left dame penny to hold the horse and went in the outer door was not locked and she wandered quite at her will through the great ice saloons and wind-swept corridors when she came to the door with the icicle through the latch she knew at once that the children were in that room so she drew out the icicle and entered the children were asleep but she aroused them and bade them be very quiet and follow her they got out of the house without disturbing any of the family but once out a new difficulty beset them the children had been so nearly warm under their snowflake beds that they began to freeze the minute the icy air struck them but dame louisa promptly seized them while dame penny held the horse and put them into the tubs and pails of water then she took hold of the horse's head and backed him and turned around carefully and they started off at full speed then she took hold of the horse's head and backed him and turned around carefully and they started off at full speed but it was not long before they discovered that they were pursued they heard the hoarse voice of the snowman behind them calling them to stop what are you taking away my company for shouted the snowman stop stop the wind was at the back of the snowman and he came with tremendous velocity it was evident that he would soon overtake the old white horse who was stiff and somewhat lame dame louisa whipped him up but the snowman gained on them the icy breath of the snowman blew over them oh shrieked dame penny what shall we do what shall we do be quiet said dame louisa with dignity she untied her large poke bonnet which was made of straw she was unable to have a velvet one for winter now her christmas trees were dead and she hung it on the whip then she drew a match from her pocket and set fire to the bonnet the light fabric blazed up directly and the snowman stopped short if you come any nearer shrieked dame louisa i'll put this right in your face and and melt you give me back my company shouted the snowman in a doubtful voice you can't have your company said dame louisa shaking the blazing bonnet defiantly at him to think of the days i've spent in their yards slowly melting and suffering everything and my not having one visit back 
grumbled the snowman, but he stood still. He never took a step forward after Dame Louisa had set her bonnet on fire. It was lucky that Dame Louisa had worn a worsted scarf tied over her bonnet and could now use it for a bonnet. The cold was intense, and had it not been that Dame Penny and Dame Louisa both wore their Bay State shawls over their beaver sacks, and their stone martin tippets and muffs and blue worsted stockings drawn over their shoes, they would certainly have frozen. As for the children, they would never have reached home alive if it had not been for the pails and tubs of water. "'Do you feel as if you were thawing?' Dame Louisa asked the children after they had left the snowman behind. "'Yes, ma'am,' said they. Dame Louisa drove as fast as she could, with thankful tears running down her cheeks. "'I've been a wicked, cross old woman,' she said again and again, "'and that is what blasted my Christmas trees.' It was the dawn of Christmas Day when they came in sight of Dame Louisa's house. "'Oh, what is that twinkling out in the yard?' cried the children. They could all see little fairy-like lights twinkling out in Dame Louisa's yard. "'It looks just as the Christmas trees used to,' said Dame Penny." "'Oh, I can't believe it!' cried Dame Louisa, her heart beating wildly. But when they came opposite the yard, they saw that it was true. Dame Louisa's Christmas trees stood there all twinkling with lights and covered with trailing garlands of popcorn, oranges, apples, and candy bags. Their yellow branches had turned green, and the Christmas trees were in full glory. "'Oh, what is that shining so out in Dame Penny's yard?' cried the children, who were entirely thawed, and only needed to get home to their parents and have some warm breakfast and Christmas presents to be quite themselves. Biddy! 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 cried Dame Penny, and Dame Louisa and the children chimed in, calling, Biddy! 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 It was indeed the silver hen, and following her were twelve little silver chickens. She had stolen a nest in Dame Louisa's barn, and nobody had known it until she appeared on Christmas morning with her brood of silver chickens. "'Every scholar shall have one of the silver chickens for a Christmas present,' said Dame Penny. "'And each shall have one of my Christmas trees,' said Dame Louisa. Then all the scholars cried out with delight. The Christmas bells in the village began to ring. The silver hen flew up on the fence and crowed. The sun shone broadly out. And it was a merry Christmas day. End of section 27